Good morning, everyone. My name is Bruce, and I'm on staff as one of the pastors here. And I'm looking forward to continuing this message series that we started. This, is, uh, this series is based off of the most famous sermon in history, which is the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus. And uh, we've been talking about how so many of the things that he brings up is upside down to us because it's contrary to what we normally do, and the course of action that we normally take. And so uh, where we left, because of where we left off last week, where we're going to start today, um, I have the job of talking about money, so, which is, go- is good because I have a lot of experience using it, but it um, can be tricky because money is a pretty personal issue, and it, can, it tends to be a heavily guarded area of our lives, and so I, I need the Lord's help this morning to deliver this message, and uh, I would like to really include him in this, so let's just pray together real quick. Dear Lord, thank you so much for bringing us together, and I thank you for um, allowing me to be here, and I thank you that you use people like me, and I pray that um, what you want to communicate would be very clearly communicated and not um, things that I, are in my mind, Lord, but um, I pray that your word would really be revealing to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I grew up in a home where I learned to tithe because my mom uh, taught me to, we would get dimes for every chore that we did around the house, and so every tenth dime that I got, I would put in this little plastic church that had a slot in the top, and I'd collect them in there until we went to church on Sunday, and I'd dump those in the thing, and uh, I don't know, I probably got a star on the wall or something for that, I don't remember exactly, but there was this uh, pattern of tithing that we had, and so as I got a little older, I got a part-time job after, after school, during high school, and I would continue to tithe, but I didn't necessarily feel the, the tithing aspect of it, because all my expenses were paid by my parents still. And then I got older, and I made enough money to uh, live off of and to pay for myself and my family. And so as I continued to tithe in that context, I began to really feel it a lot more because it was a much more, uh, it was a larger chunk of money. There's a lot I could do with that. And so that's when I, about when I had to really make the decision uh, if I was going to take God seriously in this area and to really trust him financially and uh, through that, I began to it really deepened my faith in him, and I began to see how faithful he is to us in this area of money. And so, uh, this area does feel upside down to us a lot of ways. I mean, first of all, we spend a lot of time on money. I mean, I, I check my bank account pretty regularly to check where it's at. Um, I pay certain bills on certain days of the month just to make everything make sure it goes out all right. And every time I buy anything. I try to make sure it's at the lowest possible price that can be found anywhere, online or in store. And so we, all, we spend a lot of time thinking about money and using money and trying to figure out how to earn more or save more. It's a big part of our lives. And we tend to think, uh, as soon as I get enough money, then I'll be free from debt because I could just pay that off. And then if I got enough money, I could, um, I could just be free from worry and the stress and just all that pressure that comes from not being able to pay for stuff. And if I just had enough money, I'd be free to live the lifestyle that I want, which, you know, wouldn't be crazy, but it would be a little bit, you know, nicer things that I have right now. And so we tend to to feel this way about money and and want to experience freedom in certain areas uh, financially. But the path to freedom is to invest my resources in the things that God values not to spend them on myself. And so uh, I've asked a few members to share their thoughts um, on, on this struggle of adjusting 
their perspective on money. And so uh, one uh, quote that we have, you can put it up on the screen here uh, when you're ready. I'll just go for it. Uh, I understand that God gives me the ability to earn money. It comes from him. They are his resources. So when I'm doing the right thing with my money, it's not on me to provide, and I feel the freedom I feel freedom from the stress of not having enough money. And it's that freedom that, that we want. Uh, another quote says, uh, we, when financially difficult times come, if we've been diligent to be good stewards of what God has given us, we can refute lies, doubt, and fear. We can confidently remind ourselves of the truth and that God will carry us through the trying times. So it really is very important how we spend our money in the way that we see it. And we've been given a life. God, God has put us on earth at this moment in time, and we have so many years to make an investment with our lives. And any investment that you make, there can be profit or loss. I mean, you want, it to be, you want there to be gain, but um, sometimes investments go bad. And our lives, uh, with what we produce, we can get uh, a return on it, or we can have loss. And so the way we spend our time and our money kind of uh, makes the difference there. And so um, in, this, in the part of the sermon that we're about to look at, uh, Jesus is giving us the opportunity to really understand how to make an investment with our lives that pays dividends, not just through the rest of our lives, but on through eternity. And that's what we, we're looking for. And so we can gain freedom if we do that. The thing we can gain freedom from is coming up empty and uh, just having an internal loss for the way that we've invested. So in this passage, uh, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. Uh, the first thing that we see is Jesus shows us the way to freedom from the disappointment of investing in things that fade away. And so he says, Do not lay up for yourselves, for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and seal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. You may have heard this part before. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And it kind of reminds me of this road bike I had that I kept outside because we don't have a garage and, and don't have a lot of space inside. And so I kept this bike outside, and it would stress me out a little bit having it out there because I'd want to make sure I'd clean it every once in a while and try to make sure that it wasn't getting rusted or getting damaged at all and including some other things that we just couldn't fit inside because of all the stuff we have. And um, I realized that there's this, like, pressure and concern that I have for my stuff because I'm, you know, kind of wrapped up in my things. And so it's kind of what Jesus is talking about here. And um, it's helpful to think through, you know, where, where is our treasure and, and to be focused. Sometimes we get focused more on the things here than we are focused on the things that are going to be coming in eternity. And the truth is, when you handle the way that you handle your money and the stuff you have, it really reveals whether or not you think God is real. And so if you don't think God is real or heaven is real and maybe church is a good thing and you know you want to do good and live nicely and stuff like that, but you don't really think that what God has to say really makes a difference in our lives, if you believe that, then you just end up spending your money on uh, treasures that are here, such as you know cars or um, houses, trying to improve or get bigger and better things. I mean, that's for sure the way with technology um, and different things that we can accrue. For me, uh, sporting equipment always gets me because every time I start a new hobby, like there's so many things to buy that correspond with that. Uh, right now it's backpacking. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, so that we uh, get involved in our stuff, 
And we certainly need, I mean, we need transportation. We need to live somewhere, and we need to have quality things is, is really good. But if you're financially and really emotionally invested in those things, then having them makes you feel kind of worthy. And there's this emotional response. And uh, our family, we have two cars. One of them is definitely newer and shinier. And the other one, the paint's peeling off the trunk. There's this huge dent in the front from a car accident that I got into. And when I'm driving around in the newer car, I honestly catch myself feeling like a bigger deal. <laughs> like I feel more important. Or I don't know what it is. I know it sounds stupid, but I, I, it happens. And so um, we get wrapped up in our stuff. Or another way this happens, and you really notice it, is if your stuff gets damaged or, or lost. Like if you dropped a wedding ring in the ocean or sunglasses or if someone stole your iPhone, it's hard to get over that. And you think about it for a long time, and you're like wrapped up with that. And so uh, the other hand is if you really think God is real and you know that what he says is true, and so you better do what he says um, in order to live according to his blessing, then what you do is you make sure that you have enough for your family. But off the top, you make an investment that matters to him. And so Jesus is giving us, again, this opportunity to invest our lives and something that really matters and endures forever. One thing that lasts forever is people. I mean, our bodies don't last forever, of course, but we will go on through eternity. And so uh, investing in people is an eternal thing. So if you give money to someone in need, uh, maybe there's some sort of need that came up or an opportunity to share what you have, um, investing that way really is putting treasure in heaven. And sometimes it feels like an isolated transaction. If someone is in need and you give money, it feels like you are now out of money and that's it. But really, uh, the impact of that really does go on through eternity. Um, Another thing that lasts forever, other than people, is God's purposes. And uh, God has a plan for the way things are going to roll out in the world. And he he knows how everything is going to end up. And nothing's going to change that. And so if a church sets its mission to do what's important to God uh, and really be focused on helping people come to know Jesus Christ personally and to grow in him in maturity, then that is an eternal enterprise. And that's really something worth giving towards. Um, I mean, eternal destinies are changed when someone gives their life to Jesus Christ. And so that um, giving in, in that way, is there, there is really no better way to invest. And so... As we continue through this passage, we see uh, a second thing that we can gain freedom from is the damage of missing what's most important to God. He goes on in uh, verse 22. Uh, He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, then your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And that's a little confusing. It's an analogy just... Uh, Jesus is describing in these verses that the lens through which you view money affects the way you spend your money and the way you get rid of your money. Um, So if your eye is bad, if you can't see well, then you can't really see what's important to God. And you end up doing things, really defaulting to things that are selfish because that's kind of where we keep driving to and we keep trying to grab more for ourselves. And... For a little while, it may feel like your life is getting richer if you're getting things for yourself and things that you want, but our lives will wither in significance, actually, if we're not able to see what God values. And then a third thing that we can get freedom from is the dreadful tension of trying to please two masters. 
And so as Jesus continues in verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters, for he, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I, I've tried to do that before. <laughs> I catch myself trying to do that. Um, because sometimes I'll make decisions that are more in line with what's good for me and what's good for me financially or what I want or if I want to save money to feel more secure, uh, rather than making decisions that are in line with what God values and things that he wants. And so a lot of times, you know, I, I think I can get away with serving both, and not consciously, but that's what I'm doing. And really, a lot of times the decision to use your money is opposite, depending on who you're serving. And so I have a, a short video clip just to illustrate this idea of the impossibility of pleasing two masters. So take a look at this. It's a video about uh, in a military situation. Real sorry, sir. Drop it out of the clouds. Rabbit, trigger stab out of the flat gun. Sir, sir. It's German. Like long range reconnaissance. How's it doing way out here? Alright, sit tight. As far as he knows, we're all playing on the same team. Everybody wave. Wave? So we sit in the ducks. If we shoot first, we can blow him out of the sky. We shoot and miss, he's gonna radio us in. That plane's gonna be the least of our problems. This is crazy. We couldn't get us killed. can't serve both God and money. That's what we're trying to say here. So that happens to me all the time, actually. Uh, that joke came up on the spot, and I'm glad it went over well. <laughs> so what we find is that God has given us uh, plenty to steward. We have quite a lot that we're responsible for, things that we manage. And what we have to keep deciding over and over again is who's going to guide my focus. Who will be the master over my money? Is it going to be me, or am I going to let God dictate the way I use my finances? So what tends to, open, what tends to happen is that our hope migrates from God to money. And of course we need to hope in God. He's the only secure thing that, um, that we can hope in. But if we're not careful, then over time it, our hope starts migrating towards money and our income because we start thinking that maybe I can save my way towards safety and freedom. And that happens to all of us, but think about, think about it in this way. Um, if you had the question, how much money would you need to completely secure your future against all 
imaginable costs. How much money would you need to be totally set and prepared for everything you needed? The answer is more than you currently have. It is now, and in the future, the answer is actually going to be the same. It's always going to be more than we have because we just don't have enough to stockpile. And so here's what one of our members said about looking to money for security. She said, since knowing Jesus, I have learned that my money is not my own, but it is God's and that I'm the manager of it. This has given me the freedom to give when a need arises, and this frees me up to trust God with my needs rather than looking to money for security. So financial security is kind of an idea that we talk about, and you want to have a job where you have good financial security, but it's actually an illusion. It's not real. There's just no way for us to earn or stockpile or to hoard enough money to be prepared for every costly circumstance that comes up. And not just, you know, not maybe just for you, but if, you're, if you have a family, for your wife and kids, I mean, that just multiplies it. And so since Jesus is saying it's impossible for us to serve in God and money, he brings us to the choice. Are we going to give our lives to the pursuit of money? Or are we going to set ourselves to serve him with all that he's given us and reap the dividends of eternal investments. And so on the back of your listening guide, there's a money quiz and pop quiz. You can fill it out. I'm going to read through these questions. You can fill it out as I go through them, or you can um, maybe think through it later. But these questions help you gauge where you're at in this tension of, of who you're serving. And so the first question is, the last time you had an opportunity to give to someone that was in need, what thoughts first came to mind? Were you excited to give? Uh, or maybe you had some feelings of obligation, uh, or maybe it was a combination of those things. The second question is, you just received 300 bucks from a relative unexpectedly, probably in the mail, let's say. Where is that money most likely to end up? You might dump it all in one spot, or you may divide it. Where will that probably go? Uh, next question is, think back to the happiest time in your life, uh, where you just really felt things were rich and going well, um, but what was the actual condition of your finances during that time? Maybe you did have a lot, or maybe you didn't have very much money at all. Uh, another question is, you're invited to a birthday, or let's say a baby shower. Uh, what factors help you determine which gift to bring? Is it the cheapest one on the registry? Pacifiers are the way to go, if that's the case. Or uh, do you select a gift based off of what you know is really needed by that person or the couple at the time? Um, and then the last question is, how did you manage your money last year? How would you sum up the way that you used your money? And maybe how, did, how many debt payments did you make? These kinds of questions really help us think critically, maybe hold a, a mirror up to yourself to really look at how you're doing in this struggle that we all face um, uh, in the tension of pleasing two masters. But Jesus is pretty clear in his teaching that uh, we need to break free from the lifestyle of empty spending by being a generous giver to the things that God values. And uh, so we need to be a generous giver. But that um, being becoming generous in that way is really challenged by our tendency to be emotional givers. Uh, and if you're emotionally driven in your decisions, it's, it's more, your gifts are more spontaneous. Um, so maybe you've been to a fundraising dinner and uh, the presentation really compelled you to give and you, and you wanted to give to that. Or uh, maybe you've given to somebody asking for money at a gas station or a parking lot. Um, we've all uh, had opportunities where we've given uh, based on emotion. And it, it could have been compassion or it could have been obligation. Um, but 
either way, that it causes us to be more spontaneous in our giving. And it is important to give in the moment when a need arises and to, and to, be, to respond compassionately. But Jesus is telling us to first step back and think about your priority and your plan for giving. And so you can actually be fooled into thinking that you're excelling in generosity if your gifts are primarily motivated by emotion. Because, you know, you give a gift here or there, something comes up, and it may not necessarily change the fact that your hope is wrapped around your, your income. And so Jesus wants us to stop and evaluate where is your treasure. And there's really only one way to stop that migration as our hope migrates from God and it starts wrapping around our income. There's only one way to stop that. And it is this counsel of scripture in this area is to predetermine your giving. There's a verse there that I've referenced in your listening guide. But predetermining your giving means, first of all, you decide ahead of time how much you're going to give. It's knowing how much money you bring in and then planning the way that it goes out. And when it comes to giving, we find that the Bible teaches us to use an intentional uh, planned approach. And so here's, one, here's a couple more comments from members on, on this idea of, of planning for it. Um, making tithing a priority and getting our finances in order took a leap of faith. But God has always proved faithful. I have grown to trust him and rely upon him for provision. Another one said, I began to realize that I would be accountable for how I managed the finances for my wife and I. I, I found freedom and knowing that Christ honors faithfulness in tithing, even when it doesn't seem like we have enough to tithe and pay our expenses. And so when we plan to give a percentage of our income to be given away, uh, it's kind of a scary thing to do. To just know that you're going to get a paycheck, and then right off the top, before anything else, you're going to give a chunk of it away, requires a lot of faith. Because there's a lot of things you could do with that chunk of money, of course. But it, this really reveals where your hope is. If your hope is in money, then you're not going to give it away if you don't have to. But if your hope is in God, then it's really okay to give a percentage of it away every time you get paid. So think about it in light of um, our volunteers here at Orange Crest Community Church. We have uh, a large rotation of volunteers that help us every Sunday. We just had a, a really fun event last night honoring them and thanking them. And uh, we have a large group of people that wake up early on Sundays to help us get things set up and to pull this off. And those people have made a predetermined commitment to be here, to arrive early, to wake up and do what's necessary to get here. But imagine if we just, um, you know, went with this spontaneous emotional route and we just said, uh, why don't you just wake up on Sunday morning and then just let us know if you feel like coming in or not at 7.30 a.m. <laughs> I don't know if anybody besides me and Cody would be here in the morning. So, um, you know, things would fall apart in a hurry. And I've got kids. One of my daughters is in kid zone right now, probably crawling through those tunnels or playing with dolls. And so all that stuff got set up before she got here. And all the things we enjoy, the coffee um, that we can drink and, and the way the decor is, everything is set up. It was a result of a predetermined commitment on a group of volunteers to make it a priority and to come. And so God's plan, when we think about it in the financial terms, God's plan for financing his work is for his people to make this predetermined commitment that they'll give and give in keeping with their income. And so without that commitment made ahead of time in either arena, uh, it just wouldn't be possible for us to pull this off. And so uh, in a scene from, um, from Jesus' life, we, we get another angle of this element. And 
he uh, is telling us to give a percentage that represents the whole. And that's, the, that's where we get this idea of tithing because um, when you tithe, which is uh, biblically speaking 10%, then it represents that you're trusting God with the entirety of your income. And so in that way, God is really looking at the percentage of our gifts, not just the dollar amounts that we give. And if we look at the story of the poor widow in uh, Mark chapter 12, about with the two coins, you may have heard it before. Um, Jesus, I'm going to read it and we'll talk about it. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. And he just watched the crowd. You know, as they leave the temple, they, they place their money in these um, offering collection areas. And so he watched the crowd. They were putting their money in the temple treasury. And many rich people were going by and they were just throwing in big chunks of money. And then a poor widow came and she put in two very small copper coins. It says it was worth a fraction of a penny. And Jesus calls his disciples over. He says, come on, guys, I want you guys to see what's happening. He wanted to make sure that they paid attention to what was happening uh, and really view this critical element. He says, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all of the others. So she put in less than a penny. How could that be more than the guy who put in, let's say, $500 worth? One, not less than a penny, was worth more than the guy that put in 10 grand worth of an offering. How is that possible? Well, in Jesus' view, this poor widow uh, was richer than all those other guys. And uh, we can see quite clearly that her heart wasn't wrapped around her money because she knew she didn't have enough to trust in that or to be dependent on that. She was willing to give up everything she had because her trust was securely rooted in the provision of God. And so we can be pretty easily impressed by dollar amounts. You know, you can compare your giving to what you've given in the past or what you may know other people are giving. And, you know, it's pretty easy. We can look at two numbers and see which number is bigger. It's easy to tell. And giving a large financial gift makes us feel pretty good. But as it turns out, God is not as impressed with the number of zeros tacked on to the end of a, of a number as he is the percentage. And so in the kingdom of God, percentages are worth much more than dollar amounts. So whether you're a student, maybe you have a part-time job, make just a little bit, or a CEO, uh, percentages represent the way that we yield our entire income to God. And so um, as you're thinking about it, there's, there's some ways to predetermine your giving. One way would be to set a percentage to give to your church every paycheck. Um, the Bible, again, teaches tithing, uh, 10% of your income. If you uh, haven't given or if you're used to giving a, just a small set amount, a full 10% may shock your system so much that you don't even want to give it a try. Um, but maybe you could set a percentage and just think about that with the intention of growing that percentage over time to a full 10% and then maybe even beyond. Um, another way that you can predetermine your giving is to plan for special giving. There may be opportunities that uh, you come across to give to someone in need or uh, maybe something comes up and somebody really needs help. Or We actually have things here at our church um, uh, fairly routinely that are opportunities for special giving that are intended to be above and beyond the normal giving. Uh, one example is our Christmas offering that we do every December that allows us to really expand our impact um, here in Riverside and usually in, uh, in other areas and ministries as well. Um, I'm going to give you some more information about a backpack drive that we're going to be starting in September for kids in need. And so there's different opportunities that you may have 
to give. And if you have this predetermined commitment to plan for that, then you're able to give more freely in those ways. Um, I'd like to uh, just wrap up this message by asking you to think through some next steps in this area. And so pull out that connection card out of your program again. And I'd like to ask the worship team to return to this stage. And in a moment, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings. When the ushers come around in a moment, you can drop that card in your basket. But on the card, there, on the back, there's a section called Next Steps. And um, there's some ways that you could respond. One next step might be to memorize Matthew 6:24. It's that verse that you cannot serve God in money. And meditating on that really helps inform our perspective and adjust our approach to money. Another next step you might take is to set a four-month generosity goal. Let's say through the end of the year, you want to wire in um, into your budget a plan that you can use to give when special giving needs arise. Um, you can give from that fund uh, or even start planning for the Christmas offering this year. And then a third next step, as we, as we talked about, is to start giving a percentage of my income. Um, or maybe if you give a set amount, change it to a proportional, a percentage amount. Um, if you're at 10%, maybe consider increasing. But this is a really good time to evaluate how much you give and really look at where it, where it lines up percentage-wise and consider if that needs to be adjusted. We have uh, a large event coming up in a couple weeks, and the giving that comes in to Orange Crest Community Church doesn't just allow us to function week to week in, in this format, but allows us to do larger events or unusual things that um, allow us to tap into different areas. And so on September 14th, we're going to plan um, a large message, a new series. Is gonna, Josh is going to start a new message series. And we're going to bring in Lyft coffee roasters again to make free lattes and pour overs. And uh, we're planning to have uh, a mini do- donut maker. They're going to bring their fryers and, and pump out fresh hot mini donuts covered in sugar and stuff. And uh, that's when we'll be starting our backpack drive. And all of this is done. We, we put on events like that and use the resources we receive in order to uh, allow more people to be connect, drawn to our church, uh, provide an event that you may be excited to invite uh, friends or neighbors to that allow us to really connect more people to Jesus Christ. And so thank you so much for your giving and for being a part of that. There's also one little card that you should have received in your handout. It says invest and invite. And this is kind of the part that you can play as we get ready for big events coming up in September. Um, The back of this card has three lines that you can write someone's name on. And uh, it's someone, it's people that you you think might be interested in coming and being a part of what we're doing. Uh, Somebody that may really benefit from uh, messages like these or getting closer uh, in their walk with God. And so you can, you can use this card to remind yourself to pray for them, to invest time in them, try to get to know them, and, and then invite them to our church. And so, once again, it's September 14th. This, that would be a great way to invite somebody that may not typically come to a church service. Uh, let's take a moment just to pray for the offering in this service together. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. It is so life-giving to us because it really helps us to see a better way to live. And... You give us the privilege of being on the inside, knowing what's important to you. And when it comes to the money, we're so much better off when we're giving to the things that you value instead of just the things that we want. We want so much. So help us, Lord, to adjust our desires and to begin uh, 
serving you with our finances even more than we are currently. Lord, each person, help us to know a specific step that we can take to trust you deeper and uh, uh, take a step of faith in our relationship with you, Lord. Thank you for this offering that we're about to receive. And in Jesus' name we pray.